but thank you for coming. And uh, God is continuing to move and do awesome things in all three of our services here at City Life. One thing we've been doing this series we're in is called DM, not direct message, but dating and marriage. And we haven't quite hit dating yet. We started week one was just talking about the word of God, how we need the word of God to instruct us and tell us what to do and understand. And we need the spirit of God to fill us, to lead us into that truth. Uh, the next week, me and my wife talked about commitment and really, or I'm sorry, foundation and communication. And, and we said this, that communication is the foundation of every relationship. And that's every relationship. And we laid that out, but especially marriage and relationship. Last week, we had one of our board members and pastors, Pastor Rich Brown from our Every Nation Church in Abilene, Texas, the senior pastor there, came and spoke to us on commitment and all the seasons in his 30 plus years of marriage, what that looks like in committing to one another. Today, we're going to hit dating a little bit. So if you're married, you can still perk up. You can remember the days um, and maybe give a little tear, uh, drop something that you don't have to do that anymore. Um, but for those of you that are single and are looking to date, or maybe you're currently dating, we want to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about this. Now, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about dating because dating is really a kind of a 21st century thing for the most car with the in in invention really of the automobile for the most part. But it does talk a lot about relationships. In fact, that's what the Bible is all about, a relationship with God and God reconciling men and women back to himself. And you can see this throughout Scripture. And so for us, we're thankful that there's a lot of buts in the Bible. But God. Man messed up, but God. Uh, look what God did. But, you know, look what we did. Look, but God. And God's constantly moving and doing things within the context of relationship because he's a relational God. He doesn't just give us things to do. He gives us people to become. And that is the type of God that we serve. So we want to hit a little bit about relationships. I want to show you a couple of scriptures, but before we do that, next week, we're going to kind of have several people up here. And we like to end a lot of these series, not every series, but a lot of our series around here with a panel and we'll have a panel of people single, as well as some couples with children and whatnot up here to answer questions. And so what we like to do is give you the opportunity. You can start now or throughout this week, but you can text to 31996, text this CLCQ for question. So CLCQ, you can text that. And then it'll respond and you can ask away any questions that you have. We'll be doing live texting in next week, but if you have anything now or throughout this, this series. We love, we are a church that loves to not just give answers to questions. We might not have the answers, but we could give a response for sure. So Q&A, Q&R, however you wanna say it, we wanna try to help you with that. So make sure you check that out. And if you have any of that, please make sure you text in as we will have a great panel next week. I wanna give you a couple of scriptures to kind of set a foundation for today. And then we're gonna do something a little bit different. First John Chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 says this. John's writing to the church and he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard that before, but that is a profound statement if you think about it. God is 
love. And when we think about, we have so many different images or definitions of what love is. That word love is kind of meaningless in our culture, if you will, because at the same breath I could say I love my wife, I could say I love pizza or Grand Lux. Their barbecue salmon cedar plank is amazing. You should go. We're probably going today because it's my daughter's birthday. 14 years old, my daughter. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, good job. Give her a hand. She's not in here right now, but... We say, I love, I love, I love, but we don't really know what that word means. And for us, mostly, it's a feeling. It's an emotion that kind of comes and goes as emotions do. Like if anger or frustration, they will come and go. And so love becomes this kind of thing out there in the ether that just hits me every once in a while. And so if I fall out of love, it's not really my fault because I just don't have it anymore. And yet, that's not exactly the same thing that John is referring to when he says God is love. What is this love that he's referring to that God is? Ultimately, this love is a sacrifice. It's a gift. It's a decision, not an emotion, not a feeling. And God giving the ultimate gift of his son, he so loved the world that he gave as you heard earlier today, that type of love is a very selfless love. Not just thinking of myself, but thinking of others. And so when he says, you know if you're walking in this love, you are of God because God is love. This is the kind of love he is sometimes and almost every time it's sacrificial. It's like you didn't earn it, but I'm giving it because I'm filled with it because I know God is what he's in essence trying to say. And I think it's interesting and good to clarify what love is as a foundational scripture moving forward in relationships. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, Paul says this, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. What does he mean? He's talking about being single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Paul comes in and says, God's love is so complete that I consider being single a gift. But so is being married, which he's going to talk about. But first, I want to say, this is such a gift, singleness. One thing I want to make sure we debunk when we're talking about dating, singleness, married, all those kind of things, is the church has been bad, and I say the church as a whole, capital C, has been bad at placing these things on single people as if what's wrong with you, you're supposed to get married. What's wrong with you? And Paul comes in and says, I wish you were like me. And he's going to explain this why in a second. But this initially gives us, what is Paul trying to say? That spouse, that person is not going to save you. They're there to help you but not save you. And so just like we love to do this, we love, we love, because misery loves company. So if I've experienced something, ooh, you should taste this. It tastes horrible. You got to taste this. No, really, taste it. No, you got to taste it, right? We just love that. So anything we experience or we are a part of, we have to kind of sell to other people ultimately. Not that marriage is misery, but you understand. What we do a lot of times, we sing a single person who say, hey, who are you dating? Who are you with? Da, da, da. And we put this pressure as if that is just what they need to do or that is the pinnacle of maturity as a Christian. 
Paul has something else to say. He says, if you're married, it's a gift. If you're single, that too is a gift. And he explains why. Look what he continues to say. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. How many want that? Yeah. They're like, me too, man. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. Like you're, you're concerned about what pleases God. You want to please the Lord, how to please the Lord. 33, but the married man is anxious about worldly things. Now, he's not saying worldly things, those bad things. He's saying just common things, like things you have to be concerned about. How to please his wife specifically. And his interests are divided. When you get married, you're not just solely all my time, all my thing. You guys know this. When you have kids, specifically you're married, you have kids, then all of a sudden going out of the house is quite a bit of a more ordeal, right? Anybody remember those days before you had kids? You're just like, hey, let's go to dinner. And you walked out the door. Do you remember that? You remember that? And then you have, let's go to dinner. You got to find the shoes and the socks, address the kid, right? Bring all of the things. And then you go, okay, I'm too tired. Let's call Uber Eats or something. The responsibilities, now he's not dogging those responsibilities or saying they're lesser or not godly. In fact, he's saying what you've done in the name of God now, you've grabbed someone else and now you are responsible for their needs as well. And you need the gift of God to do that. But it is more burdensome, he would say. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. In other words, once you enter into marriage, now part of the mandate that God gives you is to have responsibility for that individual. And you need the Holy Spirit to gift you, to help you to do that, to love sacrificially for that person. If you remain single, your devotion is completely to God and serving people. And you don't have to worry about that as much. So he's saying both are the gift. And I wanted to start with that response or with that understanding because, again, in the church, it's easier to say, why are you not married as if marriage will save you? Or if you're married, why don't you have kids already? Come on, Earl and Sarah. Come on, what you doing? What you waiting on? As if that kid is the thing that's going to give you life and help you and sustain you. We have to be really careful because Jesus gives us that life and that contentment. And what we like to say around here is when you're dating or looking for a spouse, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. It's about becoming the right person if you focus on that. Maybe God will give you the right person. But even that, you, can, you could go, well, I'm just working on myself. Now God owes me a spouse. Be careful. Because now that spouse becomes your hoper, your savior, not your helper. One you're to concern yourself with. Now, many of you guys know I'm a 40-year-old man. I've been married 19 years. And so if you're single in here, you're going, what can you say to me? I get it. I go to the gym. I see the guys chiseling. I'm going, why are you here? You're done. Okay. I get that mentality. Okay. Totally get it. You say, why are you talking about singleness? You're done. Well, 
But I was single, I know, and me and my wife, we did do things right. We had, we were wrong, we did wrong things for, what, for sure, but we repented, we ended up dating right, like getting people involved in our life. We waited to have sex until we were married, and so it's doable. So we like to shout that out, hey, you can do it. You cannot do it, right? We, we like to help couples say and singles to say, it's doable. So you can look at us. But one thing I know is people admire your strengths, but they relate with your weaknesses. And so you can admire our strengths and what we were able to do and what we were able to accomplish in our dating relationship. But that's not everybody's story, but there is great redemption in God for where you are as well. That being said... I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear an awesome story from our very own campus ministers, campus director, Earl and Sarah Smith. Give them a hand. Come on up here. And they have an incredible story. They're going to share a little bit with us. I wanted, I wanted you to get to know them a little bit, especially being younger, dating, uh, you know, with the internet instead of without it, um, like myself, uh, which is a different world completely. But I wanted them to just share a little bit about how they met, their story, and uh, what God did in them relationally. Yep. Awesome. Well, I'll first qualify uh, what we're about to say right now. We, we've been married for four years, but we dated for seven years. Um, so overall, around 11 years of us having some sort of relationship with each other. So please don't let the age fool you. We have a little bit uh, in our story. that Or we the waves like. in your hair, bro. I'm getting the seasick. Waves, the waves, they're sick, they make you good. sick. So if you Amazing. get nauseous, don't be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so kind of where our story starts. Uh, we met in high school. And um, actually, he strongly disliked me. When we first met, um, I had we kind of ran in the same circles. We were, I was an athletic trainer, he was a football player, and I just wasn't friends with him. I was friends with all his friends, but not him, so he didn't like me. Uh, he thought I was stuck up. <laughs> but um, one summer, summer going into our junior year, so we just finished our sophomore year going into junior year, Earl was a lifeguard at this pool, and he was inviting all of his friends to the pool, which if you are in the suburbs and you have a community pool, you would not have liked him as your lifeguard because he was the guy who let all the people in with no pool tags. So, <laughs> um, yeah, worst lifeguard of the century. So, uh, yeah, so I actually was fortunate to have a car and um, I went on a food run and he took my number from some kid's phone and he was like, hey, I'm the lifeguard. Uh, I heard you went out to go eat or to go get some food. Can you bring me some food? Well, it was like, what's up, girl? <laughs> I noticed me, or noticed you noticing me. Noticing you noticing me. So it was like way more smoother than that, but. And, and then followed by, give me some food. Girl. And then followed by, give me food, food now. So that's your pickup line, man. Be careful. So me with my $300 paychecks, I thought I was balling. I was like, sure, I'll get you some food. Yeah, I'll get you some food. So um, little did I know food was the way to man's heart. I didn't know that little nugget at first. Um, but yeah, so we started high school or when we were in high school, actually after that summer we met, um, going into our junior year, we had chemistry class together. And um, Y'all so get that? 
we had chemistry class together, didn't we? <laughs> so we had chemistry class. This is where we started to build our friendship. I was actually in a long-term relationship with another dude. He was dating some girls too-ish. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we started actually like really confiding in each other because we were best friends. You know, you know the whole, you know, we're in high school, we're best friends. Um, we would confide in each other with all of the drama going on in our relationships, which was not good. Don't do that because it led to eventually when me and my boyfriend broke up, we started dating. So probably a month later, we started dating. I actually was not interested in him at first, but we, and everyone was like, oh, Earl and Sarah, this is great. I'm like, no, I'm not into him. But eventually I gave in, gave in. Uh, but just like most high school relationships, we fell under the pressures of um, finding comfort in each other and just living an impure lifestyle. Um, and I actually had no convictions about that. I grew up in a kind of Catholic home, but not really like, I knew the foundations of who Jesus was, but was like, oh, that's for like, when you get older, then you can start living like that. And, um, but Earl, on the other hand, grew up in a really strong Christian home. He was actually my first Christian friend. Uh, and he'll say he was my first religious friend, but he was my first Christian friend. And um, so he, he had strong convictions about the, the way our relationship was going, um, but I- it was, it was an impure relationship. We didn't understand what that word purity actually meant. We didn't understand what it actually meant to be a follower of Christ in the midst of our relationship because the extent of my conviction went more like this because I was taught in a home, I wasn't taught birds and bees. I was taught beatings and grounding. <laughs> you have sex, you're gonna burn, and I'm gonna whoop your behind. And so that was the extent of, so that's where it was. So, really yeah, right. so if you can already tell, both of us had no true understanding of the gospel, um, but uh, his mom started to take a liking to me, which was like very rare in his household. Nobody entered the home unless they were perfect. And so. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so his mom started taking a strong liking to me, and uh, when I would come over, me and my brother, he was good friends with my brother, my brother and him would go upstairs and play video games and leave me downstairs with his mom, like, and little did I know, she was secretly just like pouring into me, getting me to understand the gospel a little bit more each and every day, asking me questions that were hard, I didn't know the answers to, and it really got me intrigued. I was this 16 year old girl who had never been asked any of those questions before, or never even talked about any of those things. And so um, around this time, going into our senior year, we're still dating. Um, his parents, uh, if you guys know his story, started to split up. And that was a shock to both of us, to all of us involved. None of us ever saw any of that coming. And um, so in that time frame, we were going off to college. I was going to Texas State. He was going to school in Chicago. And um, our roles kind of reversed because I was a kid, you know, who had no convictions about anything. We threw the parties at my house. He was really sheltered in a strong Christian home. And then when we went out to college, we flip-flopped. So Earl, you can yeah, my world was shattered because here are two people who actually proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ and they were teaching me and instilling me what it actually looks like to have a relationship 
but then they go back on everything that they were kind of teaching me. And so I had nothing. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with relationships. Relationships, marriage is completely now out of my mind, but I'm cool with getting the benefits of marriage, but not necessarily having a commitment to marriage. And so whenever I went to, like she said, going to college, I brought a lot of uh, baggage and things like that with me. And so we continued to confine in each other and our foundation of our relationship was built on comfort in one another and not comfort in the ultimate creator. And so here we are separate in Chicago and, and another one in Texas. And, and I'm feeling all type of ways where she gets encountered on the college campus by this crazy group called Every Nation. And she gets invited to this campus bash and she receives Christ in her life for the first time. Now her spirit is aligned with God and now she's able to look at what a healthy relationship with God is supposed to look like, but also what a healthy relationship between man and woman is supposed to look like, even if it's in a dating context. And so she's getting conflicted on the inside because now she has her flesh battling with her spirit, trying to figure out, man, I'm trying to please God, but I'm also trying to please this husband, or, or not husband, but please uh, my boyfriend is because this thing called comfort. It's almost like building a foundation on sand. It's very comfortable. And so she wanted to continue, both me and her, wanted to continue to confine uh, and conform to that sand, to that comfort, instead of being founded on the rock of Christ, which you have to conform to that instead of God conforming to you. And so a whole bunch of things happened, but in a nutshell, I ended up following to this deep darkness, and I decided to go ahead and end my life because it wasn't worth living. Everything that I believe was a lie. And in that moment, it was a moment where Christ came and he really met me because I cried out to him. If you're really real and you actually who uh, are exactly what my parents said that you are, then you will restore my heart. You'll restore my life. You'll restore my idea of what a relationship is supposed to look like. And little did I know that Sarah had a whole bunch of people back at Texas State praying for me and the prayers of the righteous prevaileth much. And that is the true thing that I experienced in my life because I gave my life to Christ right then and there and then he gave me a direction and he told me to go to Texas State because there's a community there. I'm thinking I'm going there for football only, but he's there, he's saying that I need you to go to Texas State, I need you to get around community and that's where I began and God began to really build this redemptive story. Yeah. Because by this time, we've created a whole lot of ashes. Burning bridges with each other, burning bridges with other people who considered us to be role models. And, and so as we're in community together, I'm still battling between my relationship with God and my relationship with, with, with Sarah. And so there came a point in time where we began to continue to live this impure lifestyle, but I'm getting promoted. I'm playing the drums every week. because I'm I was, an intern. She's an intern going into campus ministry. She's actually supposed to come to Houston a long time ago. And, but because of our impurities, it delayed a lot of things. It didn't stop God's plan for our lives, but it delayed some things because there came a point in time where God said, you either choose her or you choose me. But without me, you won't have her because you're going to continue to do this thing. You're going to end up pushing everything and you're going to end up pushing her out of your life. And so basically what ended up happening is there came to a point in time where um, the Holy Spirit really convicted me to expose all of the living that we were living backstage. 
And with that, we told the right leaders, we told the right people, and they put us on the track of redemption, of restoration. We want to see these things. We want to see your relationship with Christ begin to go uh, in the direction that it needed to. And so do you want to keep going with that? Yeah, so um, that was actually really shocking to me because in my head, it's like, oh, we messed up. Just take them away and, and shun them. And that's not what the church did. The church loved us and continued to push us in the direction towards Jesus instead of away from him. And so um, I, basically we had this long battle of three-ish, four-ish years of choosing each other before choosing Christ. And then we had that ultimatum and, and you don't want to get to the ultimatum. We were in a toxic relationship for so long, you guys. And I think if we would have just listened to him from the beginning, we would have saved ourselves so much heartache from the beginning. And um, little did we know God was going to bring it back together. But at the time, we were just so stuck on, this is what I'm comfortable with. I can't let go. And finally, we, we had that ultimatum. Are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose your relationship with Christ? Or are you going to choose Earl? And, and the same thing with him. And we both said, OK, this is it. And we broke things off. We were broken up for almost a year. And I actually immediately started walking through this healing process. And I saw Earl kind of avoid that healing process. You know, he was still trying to find himself in other things. And it was heartbreaking to me, but it was also, I mean, I had community who was walking with me. We went to the same church. We were still part of the same school. We were going to the same school. I'm still in athletics. He's still, you know, doing things in athletics. So it's, it was really hard for us because we were always with each other. And I couldn't wait. I was, like, waiting for the day that I didn't have to suffer <laughs> next to him anymore. But God was doing something there, and he was, he was uh, completely just, like, healing me during that time. And then Earl eventually got there and um, walking through some things. But we had both already decided this is, we've ended this. We'd laid this down. We gave it to God. There's no promise that God was going to give it back to us. And um, eventually. Yeah, so it's kind of like what Pastor Chris said earlier. We didn't lay each other down with the thoughts or the promise of becoming the man I need to be in order to get her. But God's like, no, I need you, but even give me dreams at points of times of her marrying other people. You need to be comfortable with you possibly never, ever having a wife. Am I enough? Am I all that you actually really need? Because like what Pastor Chris said, two halves really don't make a whole, especially when those halves are really jacked up. God wanted to make us whole first and then bring those two holes together in order that we may glorify Christ even better. And so one of the things throughout this past year, there was even a point in time where Pastor Chris and Casey came down to our region retreat and they actually preached on relationships and they told their story and it began to rock my world. And it set me on a path of really just me and God. And so there were times where I would even take myself out on dates because it, it's a real thing. I would look in the mirror, say, brother, you look good. I'll get fancy. I'll call the restaurant, set a reservation for myself. He did. And I'll sit down, and, and the waiter's like, hey, what do you, you need uh, somebody else coming? I'm like, yeah, someone else is already here. It's the Holy Spirit. So I don't need you to move my chair don't or anything like don't that. Yeah, I want to sit at this two-seater, and it would leave be me. I'll take myself out to the movies. But it was because there was nothing on the inside of me that needed 
that comfort of another person anymore. I started to find that all in Jesus and Jesus alone. And little did we know that after about a year, God began to speak to both of us. He spoke to me first and said, now I need you to go get your wife. And after much confirmation, after much discussion with wise counsel, and after the Holy Spirit touching her heart, because I'm like, she can't take this jacked up brother again, you know, and, and, and he touched her heart, and then we ended up, honestly, uh, coming into a covenant in, 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 in marriage, yeah. um, and ended up uh, having a redemptive story, and God was proving to us, to prove to a lot of people out there that don't have the perfect story, that he can do a lot with the ashes that you burnt from that bridge. Yeah. And that, yeah. mind you, I struggled with getting back together with him, because we were in in a college campus ministry where everybody was doing it right. Everybody had finally got together, you know, got right with God first and then got married. And then, and, and in my head, I thought that that is not my story. And so it's not going to work. So it took me a long time. And even just seeing the approval of the other people who had seen us in our junk and we're like, oh, that's messed up. They're really toxic. There were a lot of people who were not for us. And um, I had to get past the approval of other people and say, okay, this is what God wants. And so I'm going to be okay if there are people who don't approve of this. Our story is a redemptive one. Yeah. It's a story of restoration. So even if you're married and you didn't go through this particular story, I want you to think about your children. To not necessarily ha ha don't have hope for uh, your children or if you're in that particular situation right now because God can do a whole lot with the ashes um, of our lives. And yeah. So our story is one of redemption. That's great. So that's it. So, so when you guys um, broke it off initially, were you, you both said, okay, we realize this is toxic, this isn't healthy, this isn't right. Were you like, okay, it's just not going to be Earl anymore or it's not going to be Sarah anymore and then you continue to date or did you realize, no, I need to I need to get right with God too, not just, because a lot of times we'll, we'll see, well, it's the people I keep dating. And after a while, there's a common denominator in the theme, right? After a while, just like a, a certain flowers attract certain things, maybe you're attracting the wrong thing because you're putting out the wrong thing. And so that's the question, were you like, no, I'm going to go find somebody else or what, what did God do there? I know for me, um, that was a big struggle still, because I'm like, well, if it's not Sarah, right. that I, I, I still need someone, someone I was afraid of, of, of still being alone. So it took a full year process for this whole thing to happen. Yeah. And so I find myself entertaining other people and entertaining other women, even within the church at times. And I've had people uh, come to me and tell me the word of the Lord women would come to me and tell me the word of the Lord. The Lord has spoken to me that you are my husband. And I'm like, the Lord ain't speak to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It takes two. But yeah, so it was just one of those things, honestly, where um, I, I continued to try to put myself out there and things like that. And every single time there was a broken, anything broken within that relationship. Yeah. It's like what you said. Yeah, I'm like, oh. It's me. Yeah, um, for me it was the opposite. So we just cut each other off, and that was it. And I knew I can't. I'm not trying to find anybody else. And so it was hard because we were in the same church. We had the same friends. Some who didn't want to be friends with me anymore because they thought Earl was his hus their husband. And um, <laughs> and you know, like just little things here and there. Like I had to struggle and walk through that 
by, not really by myself, but I had a close, a very, very small group of people in the church who knew everything that was going on. And they, they would tell me, if you don't need to go to family night, if you can't go to this worship thing or whatever, like, come with me and we'll just cry together. And, and, and I would do that. And I had that. And it was, it was helpful for me to walk through that alone um, without Earl. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that was, that was my no, that's, part. That's good. That's it was good. hard. I didn't and, I almost thought some people, y'all. Yeah, just to emphasize, if you if you do have that desire to be with somebody, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's very normal. So don't don't think we're like Christians should not have any desire for other people. That's right. weird. Um, or an article I read a few years ago about a couple who got married and didn't consummate their marriage for the first couple years. It's like, what's wrong with you? You're a weirdo. That's not a Christian marriage and a healthy marriage. And so don't hear that. Don't hear what we're not saying. However, the theme is it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. And not that you're going to then, y'all, you became perfect. And now four years into your marriage, it's perfect, right? No. Uh, right? N none of that. Not at all. Because God is continuing to conform us, but he must form us first. And there's a place where we die to ourselves and our passions and our things in order for God to resurrect it in his timing, if right. that's his will, right? Any last final things you guys want to say as we wrap up? Um, I think if, if you don't have the story of someone, if you're dating now or if you came into your marriage and, and you have kids or whatever, or you're single, if you don't have the story of someone who kept themselves and did it the, the right way um, that God has called us to live in a pure and holy lifestyle, um, I want to encourage you that there is still hope. Yeah. That, the, that Jesus, we just got done saying Yeshua, Yeshua, our healer, yeah. our redeemer, our victory. And so it's the relationship between you and God that will honestly, and I keep saying it, redeem the ashes that you feel like you've burned. And those of us that have had those stories continue to be a strong encouragement for all the rest of us as well. So. I'll piggyback off of that. Like God warred with us for seven years almost to choose him and there's going to be a time where he's going to either leave you to your desires or 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 um, continue to fight with you through this and don't get to the point where he just says he you know don't get to that point where he's just going to leave you to do your, your desires fight fight with him find people to fight with you you can do this we eventually did it um it's not too late i guess that would be my Two cents. It's not too late to fight for purity in your relationship if you're in a if you're struggling the way that we were. One of my favorite things about their story is not only the redemption, but the the humility and repentance in this couple to be able to go to the church, to be able to have people that love them in church not excommunicate them, which is crazy, but to say, hey, we see your repentance, which is changing the way you act and think. We're so thankful for that, and here's a plan to help you guys. And uh, the humility and willingness to do that because we've all fallen in different respective areas and yet it takes a great amount of humility and an understanding of repentance and what Christ has done. Not to go, well, I'm not good enough, but to say, yeah, none of us are good enough. That's the gospel. But God. But him, while we were sinners, Christ died. And so he will restore that. And it's amazing when we die to ourselves, what God will resurrect later that's so much more fruitful and so much more great. So can we give these guys a hand? Thank you guys so much.